faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you say. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn as you speak a word. It will come to pass. Good is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting sun, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness to me.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Amen, amen. Woo, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Praise God. Uh, this is the part of our service where we do our tithe and offering. And uh, if you need an offering or tithing envelope, there should be one in the back of your pew there. If you need one, there's some guys are in the aisles there. They can just raise your hands. They'll get you one. So as I was thinking about the uh, tithe and offering here a few minutes ago, I, I want to give you a testimony. I don't know about you, but I love testimonies because testimonies do what? Builds our faith. That's right. Absolutely right. So a couple weeks ago, after church was over, we had a couple that came down front. Nicole I was sitting here and they asked, uh, they said, hey, you know what, we, we're at the bottom. We're at the bottom. And so we decided to come to church because we had nowhere else to go. I said, well, you came to the right place. And they sat through the service and they come up and they, they got saved after church. And, um, and through that, that was awesome. I and mean, hallelujah, praise the Lord. That's just the beginning. And uh, I told him, I said, listen, I said, now, you got saved, okay? You've been through a lot. I said, but the devil's going to work on you because he wants you back. Like, yeah, okay. I said, so, you know, you got to stand. You got to stand. Well, he had had a job for a couple months, but uh, he had just got out of prison. He got a job. And um, after he got saved, he gets fired. <laughs> What's that? He calls me. He said, I got fired. I've been working for two months, and I got fired. I can't believe I got fired. They knew I was in prison. And I said, man, I said, you know, I know the devil's a sucker. Boy, I just can't believe he stooped that low. But he will. He'll stoop as low as it takes to get you as low as you can get. And I said, you know what? That's okay. That's okay. I said, when you get your paycheck? He said, I don't get it till Friday. They didn't give it to me. I said, all right. And he said, and he said, I moved out of the girl's place. I'm living in my truck. I said, well, congrats. Hallelujah. All right. He's serious about this. He's going to get it right this time. So he's living in his truck. And it's cold, and so I gave him a little bit of money for, for gas and stuff like that and everything. I said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. I said, stay. Stay the course. Don't fall. Don't fail. I said, remember, you put yourself there with your decisions. We all do. It ain't nobody's fault but ourselves for where we're at today. And I said, so, yeah, God does miracles. I said, but it's also a process. And he said, okay, okay, I got it. So he gets his check Friday. He calls me. He said, Yo, Pastor Randy said, I got my check, man. I got to pay my truck payment. I said, no, you don't. He said, what do you mean I don't? I said, no, you're going to tithe first. He said, I am. I said, you are. I said, you have no seed in the ground, bro. God can't do anything for you. You ain't got no seed for anything. You've got to get some seed in the ground. You're going to tithe. He said, okay. And I was hoping he would, you know. I was like, this, is his, this is his process, not mine. I can only guide him. I can't make him do anything. And so he, he was at church Sunday. And he calls me Monday. No, I think he came back to the children's church that I was teaching. He said, hey, he said, I tithed. I said, yes, you got some seed in the ground. I said, now God's going to do something for you, right? Because each of us in Romans 12, 3 says that we have a measure of faith assigned to us. We all have a measure of faith assigned to us. Now, are we going to let it just sit there and be dormant and not use it? Because we do. Or are we going to use our faith and do something and see if God will do something in return. Well, this old boy did something. He tithed by faith. And buddy, it was by faith. And then last, I called him up all week. I've been calling him, hey, how you doing? He said, man, I'm doing okay. He said, I got job interviews and things like that. I said, good, good. He said, but let me tell you what happened. Well, he, he, this is what happened. So I said, okay, well, why don't you come up to the house for dinner? I said, you know what? I'm tired of you sleeping in the truck. Come on up. Let's get a good meal. So he comes up to the house last night. 
And he has dinner with us, and he said, man, you won't believe what happened to me. I said, oh, yeah, what happened? He said, well, I was walking into Walmart just to get some chips or something because I was hungry. And he said, I ran into a relative that I haven't seen for like two years. I said, really? And he said, yeah. And he said, you won't believe this. They gave me enough money to stay in a hotel for two weeks. I said, that's God, bro. I said, the seed is working. He's meeting your needs, right? When we tithe, he meets our needs. I said, your needs are being met. That's a miracle already. And you ain't even had that seed in the ground a week. That's awesome. And he said, and something else, he said, I start a job Tuesday. This coming Tuesday, he starts a job. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is still in the miracle working business if we will work the miracle. All right? We have to do something so God will do something. It's there for us. He's given us everything, but we have to make the first move. And he's no respecter of persons. So that bit of faith that has been assigned to you, if you have a need today, listen, sow something and watch what God will do for you. Because if he'll do it for next con, woo, he'll do it for you, amen? Because he loves each and every one of us the same. All right, praise the Lord. Stand by, stand up. Let's pray over our tithes and offerings today. Father, we come before you. We thank you that you are in the midst of us today. You are even moving, Father, through our worship and our praise. Oh, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. God, we thank you for what you do in the midst of calamity, in the midst of what we're all going through and the world is going through today. Father, I thank you that we are not subject to the world's terms, but we are subject to you and what you have for us. And when we use our faith, God, it doesn't matter what's happening, what's going on, what the odds are, because God, you don't go where the odds go. <laughs> Hallelujah. We thank you for putting us above. We are above. We are not beneath. God, I thank you as we sow today by faith, God, you will give it back. You will press it down. You will shake it together, and it will run over on our behalf. So, Father, it won't just help us. We won't just be consumers. But, God, I thank you that we'll be sowed seers in other people's lives as well. We thank you for this today. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Everybody, come on up. Bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord.
good deal. Hallelujah. Amen. You notice the globe is not up here, and uh, that's because I'm uh, doing something special with the uh, uh, outreach money. I am going to, I've heard of several pastors. Uh, one I'd known was in the hospital for over a month. And uh, they, uh, she did come out of it. Thank God for that. Uh, but there are pastors that I just heard about that uh, are in the hospital fighting this COVID-19. COVID, uh, and uh, just like everything, everything, sickness costs money. You, you might not think it does, but it costs money. So what I'm going to do today is uh, Peter Dosick Ministries is something separate from Only Believe Ministries. It's what uh, I do crusades out of. It's, it's what Eric and I travel around the world with. And thank God for our partners and so forth and for your giving uh, every Sunday into that. Uh, but this week... I'm going to take it, and uh, I'm going to uh, get a list of these pastors' names, and uh, I'm going to uh, match everything up to $10,000. So we'll be able to send 20 of those pastors $1,000 to help cover medications and extra expenses and stuff like that. So what I'm going to do today is challenge you. Can I have that globe? We got it. And uh, if you want to give towards that, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Just know this. The Bible says that God gives seed to the sower. And I'm a giver. I like giving. And so when I hear somebody that is in dire straits or somebody that's going through something, I want to invest in their life. I'm a pastor. I know what it's like. Uh, I know that everybody thinks, well, you just reach your hand in the pot. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, are you kidding? I, I can't even get my uh, taxes. So you get 7% off taxes. I can't get that. They won't let me do it. Uh, so I have to pay 15% where everybody else has to pay 7%. That's okay. I'll get them in the end. In other words, I'm going to die and I'm not going to pay them anymore. Hallelujah. That'll make them happy. So uh, I know what it's like to uh, face those things and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to sow seeds into these pastors' lives. And uh, it's going to be something that will help them get over it. And uh, so if you want to be a partaker of that, you can put it in that. Uh, but know this, that we're, uh, we're going to do it. I need seed in the ground, and I need a harvest in the barn. Amen? And uh, because I, I got a whole lot of things going on come 2001, and I've got to be financially ready, and I've got to be physically ready, and I've got to be spiritually ready. So uh, if you want to join me, you can. Uh, and so can we sing that song, uh, where Dakota? I'll do it again. Hallelujah. Good deal. Dakota sings this song. I want to challenge you, encourage you to come up and uh, sow a seed into their lives. And don't worry, we're, I'm going to make sure they get something in their pockets. Amen. Hallelujah. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. 
got some homework for us to do. In the Hebrew Bible, Proverbs 24, 11, it says this. Yes, rescue those being dragged off to death. Won't you save those who are about to be killed? If you say, well, we knew nothing about it. Won't he who weighs the hearts discern it or really find out yes who he who guards you will know all about it and repay each one as his deeds deserve i want to couple that with the bible says in james 4 7 and ephesians 4 27 it says neither give place to the devil and it says in James, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But if we do nothing, as Proverbs said in the Jewish Bible, if we do nothing, then God will see our intent and motive of just being lazy. And he will reward each and every one of us. So, this week, Somebody say, this week. I'm going to be fasting Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I'm asking you as a congregation to fast with me. Now, I know that, you know, we've, we work and all those things. So, what if we did like 
just miss breakfast, lunch, and if you need to take something for your medication, you don't have to eat a 24-ounce T-bone. You might need medication. And uh, so I'm going to ask you to go from when you get up in the morning till 3 o'clock. And that's going to be, you can choose any one of those days. But I'm telling you that as your pastor, I'm doing a Monday, a Wednesday, and a Friday. And here's what I'm going to pray for. We have hanging over our nation a cloak of uncertainty, a cloak that I believe is based in corruption. Now, it doesn't matter who you voted for. You just know that dead people don't get up out of the graveyard and go vote. It, it doesn't happen. And I know that most of the people at the voting place does not have enough power to raise the dead. Amen? And so what I'm going to do is we, as a church, are going to pray this week that that which is in darkness will spring forth in the light so that our democracy and our constitution can be guarded. They need to be guarded. We need to know that in the end, America is a place where truth and justice can rule. And so we want corruption found out. And I, you know, beyond me, I, I, I don't know, may, maybe I'm just stupid. Why would you hire another country to give you a machine to protect your democracy. Listen, that's worse than the Walmart attitude. Get everything cheap no matter what it costs us. I think that's criminal in itself. We are going to pray and we're going to fast that the truth will come out. So that this season in our life, in our nation, can get over. Let corruption be found. If it's not there, then let that be revealed too. Amen? So that our democracy and our constitution can be protected. And then I want to encourage you to spend time and find out who your state representative is. Write him and tell him or her, that you want this corruption cleaned up out of the state of Ohio. Amen? And uh, that we need to have something that is honest, and we need to have people that will represent us. And then the second thing I'm going to ask you to do is pray for this COVID-19 virus. If we do nothing it's going to continue to manifest itself. And it may be that it'll be one of your loved ones. I seen the other day where two little kids lost both their parents. They both died off of this COVID-19. Terrible, terrible story, but those stories are happening all across America, all across the world, and even in the state of Ohio. 
Now, the answer is not what we can do with a mask. I mean, if the mask would have worked for this pandemic, it would have worked for the swine flu. And it would work for the flu shot. In fact, I've seen on Facebook, some lady in the church put on there, a lady said, would you like the flu shot? She said, I don't need it, I got the mask. <laughs> Which is true. But this really can't even stop the common cold. So let alone a virus. But I'm telling you, we have people in our congregation that are fighting it. We have people in our congregation that have lost loved ones. So I encourage you to join me in these days of fasting. And we're going to pray that this COVID virus stops. It brings it to a complete halt. Amen? So I encourage you to join me with that. And Wayne, did you get this out of my office? You just think you walk in and steal stuff and all that? You aren't my grandsons. Hallelujah. All righty. Praise God. Let's uh, turn our Bibles today to Isaiah. Isaiah. One of the most revealing <coughs> scriptures about the coming of Messiah, the work of Christ on the cross. And uh, we're going to talk today about his name shall be called. Now, I'm going to say some things today that you are probably, you probably have never known. And you're going to say, now, I just can't understand that. But we're going to prove it all through Scripture. And uh, so just follow with me. Give me some time here. And I want to show you some things in the Scripture here. And we're going to read from Isaiah 7, chat, verse uh, chapter 7 from verse 1 down through 14. I know it's a lot, but... And it shall come to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jothan, the son of Uriah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Syria, and that Pekah, the son of... I had that one all figured out. Yep. And a king of Israel went up towards Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim. And his heart was moved, and the heart of his people, as the trees of the wood, moved with the wind. In other words, they were shaken. The foundation loosened. Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz, and unto Shear Jeshub, thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field. And say unto him, Ahab, Take thee and be quiet. Fear not, be not faint-hearted. For the two tails of those smoking firebrands for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and of the son of, yep, because, because Syria, Ephraim, the son of, what is it, Remaliah, like Jambalaya, 
and have taken evil counsel against thee. Now, this is nothing having to do with God. It's evil. Let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabel. And thus saith the Lord God, is, it shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Rezim, and within threescore and five years shall Ephraim be broken, and it be not a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah, thank you. Son, if ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. Moreover, the Lord spake unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David. It is a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, Having read all of that, keep your finger there because we're coming back. And let's go to Matthew, the first chapter, and verse 18. Now, I do this in order to prove the fact that I'm about to talk to you about. Matthew 1, 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, there before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. Somebody say, the angel of the Lord. So this is not a man concept. It's not a man revelation. This is a revelation unveiled by God to uh, Joseph. And it says, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleeping as did the angel of the Lord, had bidden him and took unto him his wife. 
and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now we have a revelation that Jesus and Emmanuel are one in the same. Now you can find that in Luke, the first chapter that talks about who Jesus is about the birth of Christ. Now, this right here, as we look at this scripture, we look at it so traditionally that we really miss a lot of what God was doing prophetically and how the scriptures are formed and revealed to us. The first thing we have to understand is that we look through a glass darkly, dimly. In other words, we catch glimpses of truth, glimpses of things that we can build on form our lives on, and define the steps that we walk so that we can reflect Christ. But sometimes we don't see everything clearly. Amen? And we will not see it clearly until that which is perfect is come. Now, some have said, well, the word is perfect. Well, we understand that, but the Bible also says in 1 John that we uh, have received the love of God, and behold, we are called the sons of God, That's the love that God has bestowed upon us. But we do not understand who we are. And until he comes, the perfect one, we will never see ourselves in perfection. So we can't say that, well, the scripture is perfect. It is, but man's understanding is not. Amen. All right, so we also understand in Isaiah 28, 9 through 13 or 14, it says that God unveils what he's doing line upon line. Here a little and there a little. Precept upon precept. In other words, God lays a little at a time so that we can incorporate it in our life and be transformed by the power of God. Amen? And so we see the concept of God is that God is revealing things to us, but it's in increments of time. Now, when we look at Isaiah, we really speak from Matthew's revelation. We don't speak from the prophet's revelation. We speak from the angel's revelation that says that Uh, you will receive a sign, a child shall be born of a virgin. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Later, they pronounced it Jesus. Now, that is a true statement. But how did all that we read in Isaiah have to do with God will give us a sign, and all of a sudden, we think that sign is for the Messiah. But really, verse 1 down to verse 13 is a figure or a shadow or a form of the Messiah, but man could not see it until the angel declared it. So God knew what he meant, but man didn't. Amen? So let's look at Isaiah 7, 1 down through 13. And it uh, begins to tell a story that there are two kings 
that are not happy with Judah. They're not happy with Ahaz's rule and reign, and they think that they ought to overthrow him. And so they get together. Now we've got two kings, two armies, two kingdoms against one. And Ahaz has really no faith that God is going to deliver him. The reason I know that is because Ahaz ends up from verse 15 on down having been defeated by these two kings because he would not do what God told him to do. So God gives him a sign. Now this is a sign that is very stunning. It, it, it's, it's really a sign that sometimes we can't see or read in the scriptures. Now the Bible says that God's going to give him a sign and the sign is going to be unto Isaiah. It says that he's going to give him a sign and your son, somebody say, this is not the son of God. This is the son of Isaiah. Now the unique thing about Isaiah is he doesn't have any children up to this point. None. But in Isaiah, the 8th chapter, verse 1, here is Isaiah giving birth to a child. Moreover, the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll, write it in it with a man's pen concern, concerning Mahar. Yes, another one of those words. And I took unto me a faithful witness to record Uriah and the priest and Zechariah, the son of Jeriel. And it went unto, watch this, and I went unto the prophetess. Somebody say God uses women. You know, in today's modern society, we still think that God doesn't use women. He uses women. And it says this, and she conceived. Anybody know what Isaiah and the prophetess did? I said, does anybody know what they did? So this was not a conception of God. It was a conception of what God enabled man and woman to do. And it doesn't even say that Isaiah married her. He just goes in. Well, can we do that? If you want to die, your wife will kill you. Yeah, you could do that, yeah. For be, and it says this, And before the child shall have knowledge to cry, before my father and my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria shall be taken away before the king of Assyria. In other words, before that child cries the first time, Judah will be defeated and Ahaz will lose his kingdom. God gave him a sign. What was the sign? Isaiah knew a prophetess. She conceived. Nine months later, she gives birth. Well, there's nothing supernatural about that. Oh, I beg your pardon. Isaiah is growing old. 
he has no children. Not recorded that he has any children, but the Bible tells us that there were miraculous interventions into old men's lives and old women's lives where they gave birth to children that became a sign and a wonder to Israel. Anybody remember John the Baptist? His mother was old, past the age of conceiving, and Zechariah was there, and the angel appeared unto him and said, Hey, your wife Elizabeth is going to conceive, and God's going to use you to bring forth a voice out of the wilderness. Oh, Zechariah said, Are you kidding me? We've been trying this for years. It hasn't worked. The angel said, Well, you know what? You're, I'm going to smite you dumb, and you'll not be able to talk until the birth of your child. Well, that was a miracle. You might not think it was a miracle, but it was a miracle. It's like John and Nita having a baby. A miracle. How many would you like to see that? Well, <coughs> that could be a miracle. But it would have to be God. Amen? It would have to be God. And so Isaiah has a son born of a virgin. Oh, no, no, she wasn't a virgin. I don't know that she was or if she wasn't. But what I do know is that the name of a virgin used in this passage of Scripture has nothing to do with having known a man or not known a man. It has to do with never bearing a child. Now I'm going to show you that. Go to Joel 1.8. Could I have that on the screen so I don't have to look for it? Joel 1.8 says this. Laminate, lament like a virgin gilded with sackcloth for her husband of her youth. Now it doesn't say how old that woman is, but it does say the husband of her youth. And we know that every marriage had to be consummated. So we know that this woman wasn't a virgin, but she was childless. And she was supposed to intercede or lament or weep and cry before the Lord for her husband. So that same word is used in this verse right here. I know that some of you are saying, what's this got to do with me? Tell me how I can be victorious. I understand that. But you need to understand some doctrinal principles about the Bible. Now, this scripture is a twofold scripture. It has a double meaning. It means that it is a present time promise to Ahaz. Now, Isaiah tells Ahaz this promise 734 years before Jesus ever comes. Now, that's a long time to guess that Isaiah is going to go into a prophetess and have a baby. That's not chance. This is a story about God's deliverance. And that he gives a sign to Ahaz, and Ahaz rejects the sign. He rejects God's deliverance. He rejects God's promise. He rejects God's uh, protection. And he loses his kingdom. 
Wow. And sure enough, God fulfilled the promise. But now, God has, de has delivered Ahaz from Syria and Ephraim. I'm, I mean, he has not delivered him, and he's now in the hands of it. But then God turns this to a new thing. Now let's go over to Matthew again. Let's go back over to Matthew. And there are many scriptures in the Bible that are double meaning. None of them can be personal meanings. They have to be double meaning to everyone. Amen? All right. Jesus one time said this. Said when he's getting ready to leave. When I sent you to preach the gospel and I sent you with no shoes, no money, no clothing, no food. Did you have any need? And they said, well, no, none. Now, Jesus told them to do that in the present moment. But then when he gets ready to leave, he says, remember the promise. Now it's not just a promise for a moment, but now it's a promise to all of us that go that no matter where we go, God will always provide. Amen? Absolutely. So, in this passage of Scripture, we discovered that the promise was through Isaiah and through his firstborn, through a prophetess, and it was given to Ahaz. And Ahaz does not believe the sign. Now, the woman's pregnant for nine months, but he doesn't believe the sign, but the sign comes to pass, and before it's even really fulfilled, he has lost his kingdom. And then in Matthew 1.18, we've already read, now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. When his mother, Mary, who was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now this is the second or the second reflection of what the scripture really means is that God not only wanted to deliver Ahaz, but he wants to deliver all mankind from the enemies of their soul. And it says this, that Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make a public uh, example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, beheld, behold, the angel, somebody say the angel. Now we have the angel bringing out the truth about the scripture. Now he prophetically reveals that this is going to happen and it will be a sign. And while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, or Emmanuel, God with us. For he shall save his people from their what? Sin, the two enemies of man is sin and death. Sin and death. So Jesus comes to destroy every believer's Syria, 
and every believer's Ephraim when he destroys sin and death. The Bible says that Jesus came to save the sinner. Amen? The Bible says in Hebrews, the second chapter, that Jesus took on him the form of flesh that he might destroy him that had the rulership or power over man through death. So Jesus destroys our enemies, Syria and Ephraim. He destroys sin and he destroys death. And it says, and she shall bring forth a son, verse 21, call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Somebody say, God with us. Now, when we start looking at this passage of Scripture, we know that when Isaiah's son came in to the picture, that the proclamation was, God is with you, Ahaz. Ahaz never believed that God was with him. And you know, there are a lot of Christians today that even though Jesus is a fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14, by the proclamation of the angel, many people still don't believe that God is with them. But when you have a mindset that God is with you, guess what? You will do great exploits. Come on, you'll do great exploits. Remember in Judges, the sixth chapter, a guy named Gideon? His name was later changed to Zerubbabel. I would have opted out of the change. But his name was Gideon, Zerubbabel. So Zerubbabel is behind a stone wall, and he's bringing in corn or wheat that he's got out of the field that the Midianites would come down every year and they would steal everything that Israel had labored to have. And that's what sin and death does. Always opens the door for the devil. Always. And what does he do? He kills, he steals, and he destroys. Well, there came a time that God sent an angel to speak to Gideon. Zerubbabel. And so Gideon is there breaking out and separating the chaff from the seed so that he has as little as possible to be seen by people around him. And he's going to take it home. And the angel of the Lord says, Hey, Gideon, you great mighty man of valor. Gideon looks around and says, Who? You, great mighty man of valor. He said, are you kidding? I am the least among all of the Israelites. Have you ever felt like that in the kingdom of God? It's because we do not believe that God is with us. But remember that the angel said that he'll be born of a virgin. His name will be Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with what? Us. You cannot believe 
the person of Jesus Christ came to save you from sin and death and have a mindset that God is not with you. It is counterproductive. Remember, his name says it all. Jesus is with us. Who's he with? Are you a Zerubbabel? Come on. Or are you going to be an Ahaz? What are you going to be? I'm going to be a Gideon. You be the Zerubbabel. But then the Bible says this. Gideon, if you will rise up in what I have just said, thou mighty man of valor. He didn't say if you rise up with a hundred men, you rise up with a sword, you rise up with a sling, get a spear, do something. No. He said if you'll rise up and if you will go and do what God has instructed you to do, you will smite the Midianites as if you and God were one. In other words, what you don't have, God will give you. And what God will give you will make you like God in the eyes of your enemies. Now, you won't be God, but you'll be as invincible as God because all of his strength is your strength. Remember what, uh, what was the guy's name? Joshua and Caleb. When all of the people said, oh, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. But, oh, Joshua said, no, no, no. Don't listen to that kind of stuff. Because if God be with us, we can overcome the enemy. If God be with us, that's the attitude of Emmanuel. That's the attitude of Christ dying for your sins and freeing you from death. It's that you and I become united with God, Christ in us, the hope of a revelation of that unity. Christ is in us. Could it get an amen? And so we see that God does these things. Remember that when God went with Moses and he stood by the Red Sea, what happened to the Red Sea? We sing it all the time. Only God can make the waters a highway. And they sang a song and it was based on God being with us. Have we lost our song to say it is not I, but God in me? Have we lost our song that says, I can't do it? Have we lost our mind to think that Emmanuel has lost his title? No. God is with us. His enemies are our enemies, and our enemies are his enemies. His provision swallows our need. Amen? His protection delivers us always. So it's Christ is with us. Amen? Come on, shout hallelujah. 
Listen, we have got to get the mindset that we are just mere mortal people walking around trying to do something for a great God against a big devil. That is not who we are. We are the temple. Somebody say the temple. We are the temple of God. And the Spirit of God lives in us. God is with you. Amen? Let me tell you a little story about a nephew that I have. <coughs> One of the few that I like. <clears throat> Name is Mike Williams. Used to live with Phyllis and I. And uh, Mike Williams was walking down this town. He uh, flies for lawyers and stuff like that. And in other words, he doesn't work. He, he just, you know, he, he does nothing. But they give him money. And he's a pilot. So he flies to this city, you know, and they're in meetings. So they just say, well, go out here and do whatever you want to do. He said, okay. So he, not knowing where the bad sections of town are, he just starts walking. And some way... He gets lost. And Mike ends up in a section of the city that he's not supposed to be in. It's dark, and he sees in front of him a big crowd of guys standing in the middle of the sidewalk. And so Mike is a redneck, a hillbilly, bona fide, born, bred, and stamped. So he, he said, well, if they think I'm getting off this sidewalk, they got another thing coming. But he says this in his mind, God, I need your help. I need your help. I don't know what to do. All of a sudden, his hand goes, jumps up. He looks down, and here is this big, black, snarly police dog. Doberman Pinscher, Doberman Pinscher. Sorry to strip you police dogs of your glory. If it had been my story, I would have told it that way. But here's a Doberman Pinscher. About this tall, Mike's hand is on his head. So this dog follows Mike. And when he gets to the crowd, the crowd just parts like the Red Sea. And so this group of men that Mike was fearful of has just been delivered by a dog. Now, now there is a revelation in that. Don't fear the cats when you got the dog in hand. And so Mike walks through the crowd like he owns the place, because he does. This is not a, just a Doberman pincher. This is a God Doberman pincher. And I don't know if they're seeing like 3D or whatever. We don't know what they're looking like. But Mike walks through this crowd, parts like the Red Sea, and he gets down the street and he turns around and he looks and there is no Doberman pincher. The dog has disappeared. 
Mike, unaware that God had provided and unaware that God had brought him through, frees the dog of all commitment. Now, I know some of you like say, could we adopt that dog? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think there is a thing where people believe that dogs go to heaven. I don't know if he's a recruit from heaven to the earth. or, And we aren't even, not even going to go there because people send me letters when I tell them the truth. And so I don't want to get people aggravated. Amen? So there probably will be animals there. I've got in-laws there. I, I, mean, I, I mean, heaven just lets anything in. I, I mean, they just come. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, hallelujah. So let's go to Romans, the eighth chapter. Now remember that Jesus comes to do what? To be with us. Did he fail? Then he succeeded. If he succeeded, where is God? With us. With us. Now, in Romans, the eighth chapter... I think it's verse 31. Romans 8, 31 says this. What shall we say then to all of the things that we are under siege by? If God be for us, who, 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 what, when, or where can be against us? And then it says, what he that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him, him, shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God or the work of Christ or God being with us? Shall tribulation, shall distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sleep for the slaughter, sheep for the slaughter. Nay, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that is with us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from God being with us, the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I am persuaded. Paul was convinced that Jesus was with him. Not only is it a present-day truth that he's with us, but it is a futuristic activity. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, even until the ends of the earth. 
The Bible says Paul, having come into confrontation with things, 2 Corinthians 1, 4 through 10, he said that we didn't know which way to go. He said, in fact, we despaired of life itself. And then it dawned on us. Why are you trying to do it your way? Do you have an Ahaz mind? Do you have a mind that what God declared in Christ will not happen for you? Do you have a mind that God really can't defeat your Syria or your Ephraims? Or do you have a mindset that if God be for us, then nothing can be against us? That if God is anywhere, he is with me. I've heard people say, well, where's God? And I've had to look at him and say, right here. I'm not God, but God is here. And he's there to do whatever you need for him to do. He always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to say in 2 Corinthians that then it dawned on us that we should stop believing in ourselves and believe in him that is with us. Have you been wrestling your own Ephraims and Sirius? It's time to stop. It's just time to stop. It's time to let God do what God desires to do, be with us. He wants you and I to have the attitude that no matter what we face, he will turn it around. No matter what battle we go into, he will make us victorious. No matter what enemy we face, it's not too hard for God. I know that you and I all face things that we wonder, how is this going to happen? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm telling you 90% of what has happened in my life, nobody could figure out. How in the world is he going to get out of this? I don't know. But I do know, keep on watching, because I'm coming out. Amen. Amen. Keep on watching. Because it's going to turn around. Keep on watching. God's going to make a way. Stand back and don't get splashed. Because God is about to make a way. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. Amen. And so let's start getting the mindset, God is with us. The other day I was... Uh, dealing with something, I said, God, how the world, I just don't see an end to this. You know, I, you know it, it could be anything. It might be a thought of failure. It might be a thought that you're not going to make it. It might be a thought that, that about a person. It may be a hateful thought. It might be a plan to, to take things into your own hand and, uh, you know, read the Judah story and go and do likewise. You want to hang somebody. No. Well, you know, I know that, oh, I never have those thoughts. Wake up. You do. Everybody is tempted. Everybody is tempted. Even in everyday life, we are tempted to be carnal. 
We are tempted to be divisive. We are tempted to be rebellious. Amen? So let's just settle down. And I said, God, why do I have to do this? And he said, why don't you quit trying to do it? Doesn't seem to me like you're being very effective. Okay. Well, just what would you do? If I was you, I'd let me help. You mean God would let God help? Where would he go? There's no place to go but to him. So I said, okay, God, I'm going to let you help me. Every time I get into this problem, I'm going to say, hey, God, you need to help me. And I'm sure that God's going to show me the way to do it. He's going to strengthen me, going to change my thought pattern. He's going to do something. And God is going to help me. So God gives me the name. What is the name? Emmanuel. Jesus with me. Jesus with me. Where is he in your problem? Right here. It dawned on us that we should trust in the God that was with us. Let's trust God. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you in this time of celebration. And God, as we look back at the prophetic word that the angel unveils, that it wasn't just for a king called Ahaz, but it was for every king born of your seed. You've made us kings and priests unto yourself. God, you are with us. There's no other place that you are but with us. And with us, God, means that we have your strength. We have your diligence. We have, God, your guidance. We have, God, your presence. Your presence. That which was true 734 years ago is true today to every believer in this place. God is with you, saint. God is with you, brother. He's with you, sister. He's with you, teen. God is with you. You can overcome everything that was listed in Romans the 8th chapter. Your Red Sea is not too wild, not too deep, not too wide that God cannot bring you across. You making out and beating out a living because the devil seems to always get the upper hand. It's over. Today, you're going to walk with God. You're going to look at your enemies and say, if God be for us, we can do this. God is on your side. There's nobody he wants to bring through victoriously than you. 
nobody friend. Nobody but nobody. Let's not be Ahaz's. Let's be Zerubbabel's. Let's be believers. Let's be the reason that God sent his only begotten son. He is with you. He's with you. He is with you. He's with you. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every believer in here today. God, that your arm is so stretched out because it's not short that it cannot save. God, I pray for every believer that, God, you are giving them counsel, direction. God, I pray for every believer that, God, you're giving them strength. God, in areas that they've been struggling with, God, you are with them. God, you are leading them and guiding them. God, I pray today that if there's anybody in this house that does not know Jesus as their personal Savior, this is the reason you sent your Son. That you may be reconciled unto them. That God, we are born of the seed of your word, just like Mary received the word and that which was born of her was holy. God, we've received the incorruptible word and that which is born in us is the new creature. And we cry out the Father. With great gratitude, God, we say thank you for the new birth. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, God sent His only begotten Son, Emmanuel. You may have been lonely. You may have felt rejected. You may have felt lost. You may have felt worthless. We've all felt those things, but only Jesus can reverse them. Only Jesus can fill the lonely spots. Only Jesus can wash away your sins and let you feel accepted in God. Only Jesus can give you purpose. But God never created you to just drift in life. He created you to call him Father. He created you to be born again. If you are here today and you're not a Christian, you say, Pastor, I want to be a Christian. I want to go to heaven. I, I want to walk with God. I want what only God can give me. Joy unspeakable. If you're here today, I'm going to ask you in just a few moments to come forward down here and I want to pray with you. Could I have everybody stand your feet today?
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Is uh, there a Kenny, a Kenneth? Kenneth or Kenny? Is there a Kenneth or a Kenny here today? If that's you, will you please make your way right up here? And uh, Father, I know you're here to save sinners, which we all used to be. But because of your grace and our faith in you, we've been washed in the blood. And now we are called sons and daughters. If you're here today, not a Christian, I'm asking you to step out into the aisle that is nearest you and come down here. And I want to pray a prayer for you and with you. So if that's you, you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. Please step out of the aisle that is nearest you. And was there a Kenny or a Kenneth here? Kenny or Kenneth, quickly. You're coming to get saved quickly. Come down. Hallelujah. Kenny, Kenneth, I need you to quickly do what I'm asking you to do. Hallelujah. Okay, praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we're all going to heaven, right? All right, praise God. So, Wednesday night, I don't know what God's going to put on my heart, but we're going to be here. So, join me, and uh, I want you to use your faith this week. Get mindful that God is with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Kenny or Kenneth. Father, we just thank you. I ask you to bless every believer here. I ask you, God, that what they put their hands to, you will cause to prosper. God, I ask you to lead them and guide them in the ways of wisdom and counsel. Bring things back to their remembrance. God, let them be mindful that you are there. And God, you are there because you have sent your son to save them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. See you Wednesday evening. Hallelujah. Hey, live streamers, we're so glad that you could join us today. Be sure to check out all of our social media platforms, and we can't wait to see you next time.